When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben, and we are joined, as always, with our super producer, Noel the Racetrack Brown. Racetrack. Spitfire. Spitfire. Ooh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. How about um, Noel Track Day Brown? Ooh, yeah, that's even better. I don't know. We'll have to, well, maybe we'll work on it throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe we will. It's kind uh, of the latest trend anyways, right? While we're asking ourselves what uh, a suitable nickname for Noel is, it's kind of appropriate in this podcast because, ladies and gentlemen, today we are starting the show with a question that we are going to answer to the best of our ability. However, you may have your own answer. You may have exceptions. You may have issues. I'm already laughing because I have the impression that we're not really going to answer this question. I don't I don't know if we can answer this question because of the, uh, the way that the lines have been blurred between uh, – the types of vehicles that we're going to talk about today. Yes. And I think I think we've talked about this in the very recent past mm-hmm. with what really makes a luxury car a luxury car. Right. And we've also talked about what makes a muscle car a muscle car. Sure. Yeah. Right? We've had a few of these along the way where, um, you know, a strict definition given by one, uh, you know, enthusiast group or, um, you know, maybe even a dictionary mm-hmm. um, is is now being kind of that, li- that line is kind of being muddied. It's being uh, mm-hmm. jostled around a bit so that. Your expectations of, of of what a vehicle should be if it's in this class or category mm-hmm. is different than what you may get now versus what you got decades ago. Oh, here's one: Noel the Belgian Brown. <laughs> that's going. You know what? That's a little foreshadowing. That is foreshadowing. And uh, okay, there's a whole conversation we had ahead of this, but um, <laughs> but we will uh, we'll we'll work Belgium we'll into this uh, into this topic here with sports cars too. Yeah, we promise. Oh yes, and Noel, could we please have some big important question music? Perfect, ladies and gentlemen. Today's question: one of the great questions in automotive history. What makes a sports car. Mm-hmm. So what in people's mind mm-hmm. do they picture? I, I would guess that most of our listeners, when we say, you know, what, what is a sports car? Yeah, well, you, they think of, uh, they, you think of maybe an F1, right? Well, yeah, or they think of like a, maybe, 
Maybe not that. Maybe they think of like a Corvette, or maybe they think of yeah. a uh, oh, here's a trick one, a Mustang, or maybe oh, they think of okay. uh, you know this is some other model that uh, that is like cemented in their mind as being mm-hmm. a sports car. But along the way, somewhere uh, throughout history, people have uh, have again kind of taken this idea and said, no, you know what? Here's what a sports car really should be, and then it changes over time mm-hmm. because. Manufacturers come up with cars that that kind of uh, blur the lines, as I said. Right, yeah, that that go from one category of car to another. There, there are some great comparisons we can talk about too. But uh, first, if we could open from a definition, Scott, I'd yeah. like to start there. Yeah, let's do that. All right, Merriam-Webster defines a sports car as a low, small, usually two-passenger automobile designed for quick response easy maneuverability, and high-speed driving. Now, we can add a bunch of stuff to that. You know, people might say usually it's a two-seater. Sure, yeah, they could say that. And they can also say, well, it has to be rear-wheel drive. Right. Um, yeah. and, and here's the this is the problem with all the stuff that I'm going to mention, because I've got this list here, Ben, and the list isn't a list of cars. It's more a list of my own questions. Oh, great. And, okay. and I want you to think about these maybe uh, throughout the podcast, and we can even stop and, and dwell on a couple of these if you want to. But For sure. Um, you know, Let's get this out of the way, too. Manufacturers make cars that are sporty. They make cars that uh, have uh, sporting characteristics mm-hmm. to them, you know, like tossability, you know, that it, you can quickly throw it into a corner. Sure, or sure. go-kart handling, like Mini likes mm-hmm. to say. Or it has a great acceleration. Exactly right. Yeah, and, but how do you measure that? Is it Well, acceleration is one thing, so 0 yeah. to 60, that's fine. Sure, sure. But do you measure it? Do you measure top speed as well? Do you measure engine RPMs? Mm-hmm. Uh, all these things come into play. So I've got a, a million questions okay. here. Not really a million, but, you know, a, a bunch. <laughs> Lay them on and, uh, and I'm sure that... Our listeners are going to be able to add several to this whole thing. So uh, the first one is, is, does it have to have two seats? Could could one seat be a sports car as well? Because there, there are not many of them out there, but there are right. some great one-seat cars mm-hmm. that are definitely considered sports cars. Yeah. So, so one seat is possible. Now, what if you say three? Is, is, it, is it possible to have three seats and be a sports car? Yes, but then that also goes to another question. Uh, what is the difference between should we should we separate supercars from sports cars. Oh, okay, so you know what I mean. Okay, I know exactly where you're going with this because three seats implies mm-hmm. the McLaren F1 from yes. the early 1990s, or I guess through the 1990s. Yeah, and and that is clearly a sports car. Yeah, that's and the it, one I'm thinking about when I said, "What do you think of when you think of a sports car?" Yeah, sure. Well, there's three seats. You know, there's a central driving position, which is so and, cool, and two passengers that flank the driver. Clearly a sports car. No, no other intent really. Right. It's not a luxury car. It's not all that other stuff yeah, we yeah, talk yeah. about. Well, maybe it is a luxury to be able to afford one. But, <laughs> um, but that's definitely a sports car, and mm-hmm. people would argue that that it definitely is. But it has three seats, so it doesn't meet the cl- meet the classic definition of a sports car. Right. And and we're going to find things like that along the way, all throughout. Does it, so again, does it have to be rear wheel drive? Right. Um, I, I don't know. There's there, there, what about all wheel drive? Does that count as a sports car? Because a lot of uh, Subaru drivers will argue that they've got sports cars. And so will sure. Audi drivers that have the Quattro system and uh, other manufacturers that make great all-wheel drive systems. Can a sedan be a sports car or can it only aspire to be sporty? Ah, well, okay. But how about this? What about the ones that are the four-door coupes, supposedly, which you can't really, you know, four-door coupe is a funny thing to say, I know. Right, but, yeah. but a lot of cars are considered four-door coupes mm-hmm. and have a sporty look because they've completely changed the roof line of those things so that they're not really high in the back like they used to be. Mm-hmm. They have very little room in the back, uh, you know, for headroom. But the design, the exterior design of the car is is decidedly sporty. Yeah, it's very much the, the sports car profile. But then we go into the... The area of what one of my 
pet peeve, Scott, and you know this, listeners, you probably know this too. Don't I don't like token back seats. Mm. I think yeah. they're disingenuous. Oh, so you're talking about like the even the, there are some cars I think that even have like fold down seats that you know if you need it you can put it back up because right. uh, it's connected to the trunk area or um, you know maybe the ones that have seats that well it's two plus two seating really. Yes, that's and, probably the best one. And, and the best one that I can think of, and I had this on my list somewhere here that I'll, yeah. I'll come up with, but the Lotus Evora. And the Lotus Evora back seat, that's that comically small back seat. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's described as two plus two seating, which we know is two adults in the front, two kids in the back. Mm-hmm. And when I say two kids in the back, preferably kids in car seats so that their legs don't have to hang down between the mm-hmm. uh, the back seat and the driver's seat or the passenger seat. Right, right. Because um, it's way, way too small. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's probably the best example of a token back seat I can think of in the modern era. I mean, right now. I know Porsche has a couple of cars mm-hmm. that have some token mm-hmm. back seats as well. So what what are some of these other questions? All right, so um, does cylinder count matter? I mean, what if we, what if you have a four cylinder, a six cylinder, an eight cylinder, or right. more? Does it have to have a certain amount of cylinders? Mm-hmm. That one I'm not entirely sure about because some of the earliest sports cars that we brought over to the United States uh, that that um, you know the returning this whole thing that we've talked about in the past with uh, returning um, veterans from the war from from World War II yeah. they were in Europe and they saw the MGs, the Triumphs, mm-hmm. the uh, the Jaguars. And they love those cars, the sports cars. Two seats, four cylinders often. I mean, Jaguar's a little different, but uh, they would bring over, um, you know, these four-cylinder cars that were manual transmissions. They had very thin tires, but uh, but they were fun to drive. They had a convertible top. It was just a, an exciting little car. Great handling. Compared yeah. to what was being made here in the United States at the time. So that's what they... they Appreciated those vehicles, decided to bring them back with them, and and, it, and yeah. that really led to a trend here in the United States as well. well. Don't let me roll over you with this one, but as soon as we're mentioning the idea of an absolute number of cylinders, I feel that we are verging very close to making an error in our definition because of the evolution of technology over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's much uh, it's it's much much easier now. Given the vast improvements just in engineering alone, uh, not even counting material science, it's it's much easier now for a four-cylinder engine built now to just cream a four-cylinder engine from that time. Oh, of course, you know? yeah. And think about the uh, the new what's the uh, Ford Ford GT, mm-hmm. the brand new supercar that they're going to come out yeah, with yeah. in uh, what twenty seventeen, I think it is. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah, V six. Yeah, but it's going to have, of course, turbo V6. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. EcoBoost V6, I believe, and uh, and it's going to have an enormous amount of horsepower. I want to say it's like, um, oh, I don't even know if I should make a guess here. Is it? Is it? I think the street car is going to have 680 horsepower. The track car, of course, is going to have much more. You know, like closer to a thousand horsepower, something like that. But uh, that's coming out of a V6 engine. So clearly, we're making huge advancements in the way that you know engines and. I mean, of course, this all goes with um, uh, machining. You know, we're having we have precise machines that mm-hmm. allow for extremely high compression. Everything is well put together, extremely well put together and strong. And uh, we, we've talked about this many, many times, so I don't know if we need to go much further down this path. But let's keep going with uh, with some of these questions that I have. Does it have to be small? I mean, I don't think it has to yeah. be small. It, I mean, that's great to have a, a, a tiny car, you know, that, that's very nimble, very agile, you know, that you can really kind of work around the turns in a, in a backcountry road somewhere. But um, some of these bigger like I guess supercar type vehicles, you know, that are considered sports cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, um, I, they're they, they're just as agile, just as nimble, but you know, they're much bigger platform that they start with. 
And yeah, it's different to drive, sure, but uh, does it have to be a certain size to be considered a sports car? Right. Again, we're running into absolutes. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a certain length past which something cannot be considered a sports car? A certain weight past uh-huh. which something cannot be considered a sports car? How about this, Ben? Going back to the powertrains, how about a hybrid? A hybrid sports car. Now, oh man, I don't try to argue this one away, Ben, because we talked about a few of these cars yeah, on our own podcast. What true. about the McLaren P1? Or the, I mean, even I'm going to even throw the Fisker Karma in here, only you know because it, I, <laughs> I saw one this morning, and what a fantastic no looking way. car! Yeah, it's pretty, still pretty rare to see even yeah, here well, in this area. Was it the same one from the show? I'm going to have to saw? guess that it was one of the ones from the shows that okay. we saw. Yeah, so um, check out our videos. They're just so rare. Yeah, yeah they, we have a video on it. They are pretty rare, and I did see. I saw it on the road just before I had to exit the highway this morning. Didn't get to see the license plate or anything. Know which one it was, but I am going to um, try to argue though. Okay. Just real, really quickly. Okay. For people who have checked out our various podcasts that touch on hybrid racing or even electric racing, we address something, I guess it's a little more intangible, uh, an abstract concept, which is that when you think of not necessarily a sports car, but when you think of racing, I'm thinking specifically a hybrid racing, mm-hmm. for if, if you're nostalgic for it, it's a different category. It's not quite the same. There's just something there about the engine, the sound of the internal combustion kicking in, well, the roar. The you know the camp that I'm in on this. I mean, I, I like the old uh, you know F1 roar, right. of course, but not the current. See, that's the thing. The current F1 engines aren't all that great sounding. That's true. They're going to get back to it, I think, but. Um, you know, you're talking about like Formula E racing versus right. Formula One racing, mm-hmm. and then in other categories, like let's say it's um, you know different different big events, you know um, even endurance events, they're going to have categories that have hybrid racers. It, uh, so far, I haven't seen an entire race field made out of hybrid vehicles. I haven't either. I, I haven't come across that. It's probably out there. There's probably a hybrid racing league somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know exactly what that would entail. So um, I know exactly what you're talking about, though, like the 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 that that quality that you just can't put your finger on. Like, mm-hmm. why is this not quite as entertaining to watch as as would be a standard Formula One race? It's up there with the feel of a luxury car, right? Yeah, it's a similar thing. It's uh, it's tough to put a finger on exactly what you know what makes that different for you. So, okay, I guess, you know what, man, because I'm also thinking of Tesla in this too, I guess you could, you could, you could say that there, that there's a, there's an argument to be made that it could be a sports car without an internal combustion engine. Yeah, I, sure. Okay. Yeah. What about, uh, did you mention this one, the Tesla Roadster? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. That, that's one. And then, you know, there was going to be a, uh, another car that we're going to talk about in a future podcast, um, called the Detroit Electric Car. <laughs> and that was really a, uh, that's a Tesla that's electrified by a company called the Detroit Electric, but Tesla did it you know, a decade ago. Right. So I don't know why they're even bothering with this, but we're still hearing about that. It's a little bit of vaporware. But, um, all right, some other th- quick things here that I'm thinking of that we yeah. can go yeah, into yeah, some yeah. other stuff. Um, okay, here's here's an interesting one. Does it have to be convertible? Because some people, some people believe that it has to be a drop-top roadster in order to, uh, you know, be a sports car. No, I don't agree. I, I think that's a kind of sports car. I, I agree. I agree. So, so here's the thing, though. So, are all roadsters sports cars, and are all sports cars roadsters? I uh, no, that's no, I, no, I don't, I don't think that's either. I think I don't think that one goes either way. Yeah, yeah I don't no, think that one. Well, but I think a lot of people do feel like a sports car needs to be a convertible. 
Well, if it's the sport, if you want a sports car that is a convertible, then by all means get one. But here's the thing about a convertible. It doesn't have the same impact on performance. It's more of a, I think, an aesthetic part. Well, in fact, it's a detriment because yeah. uh, oftentimes you'll find that by removing the roof, you add weight to the mechanism that is required to handle the to roof once the roof. it's folded yeah. down. And as well as, um, you know, you're, you're costing yourself with uh, um, aerodynamics. See, that's what I'm um, saying. It's, it's an aesthetic thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you define a sports car purely by that kind of aesthetic stuff, there's a slippery slope there, my friends, because if we start with that one definition, it's like that old, uh, it's like that old children's book, if you give a mouse a cookie, because then the next thing we're going to be talking about is going to be, uh, well, what kind of tires is it allowed to have, mm-hmm. right? And tires, I think, are a much better case because tires have a much more um, significant impact on performance, for, okay. for better or worse. But then we'd say, oh, well, like, wait, wait. What kind of uh, what kind of headlights? What's the front end look like? Tell me, tell me about how the back end. What's the general shape? Oh, and then uh, you know, uh, real sports cars are only red. Okay, but you all, know what I mean. But all of this stuff that we're talking about, just about everything here, transforms over time. I mean, the manufacturers yes. they create better tires. Mm-hmm. They make the shapes a little more aerodynamic and better. So, is the shape of the car as interesting as it was back in the 1970s when they first started making that car, 1960s or 1950s even? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe they're not even making it anymore, but uh, they've, they've found a better way along the way, or they think they found a better way along the way. <laughs> right. And it might remove some of that sporty look of the vehicle. Uh, it might enhance it. Um, it. There's so many different angles to all this stuff. So, um, how about this? Okay. Practicality. Does a sports car have to be non-practical to be a true sports car? Because oh, there are a man. lot of cars that, okay, how about this one? Here's one that, um, and I think we can disqualify this one right away, but people at Porsche aren't going to agree. The Porsche Panamera. Now, it's a four-door, right. four seats, yep. but it's a Porsche. I mean, it looks like one of their other models just stretched out, really, in the middle. That's all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's really the only difference in the whole thing. I mean, there's a, a little bit of difference. I get that. But, um, but, but people will consider that one not a... Not a sports car. It might be a sports sedan, and there are sports Ooh, coupes. Right. And see, there's these different kind of crossover categories. And I hate that term, crossover, by the way. But, <laughs> but there's a lot of different crossover categories that that these sports cars, or what we thought of as sports cars, kind of fit into now. Well, it doesn't the but okay. Yes, I disqualify the Panamera uh, with no bad blood to the folks at Porsche, but it's to me it has negative 10 points already because it's a sedan mm-hmm. and then it also has here's the kicker porsche describes it as a luxury ah, vehicle really yeah as a, a luxury four-door sedan oh, okay i'm having a hard time distinguishing the two because it to me i mean it's a giant car it yeah. looks like, it looks like a porsche it, yeah, it, it does. does it definitely fits the porsche line sure. i mean it, it matches their uh their, their styling it's got a mean engine it's got the that v8 yeah, yeah sure yep and it seems like it would be a blast to drive i've seen people who have uh, reviewed these and said you know that's a it's a fun car to drive despite its size but but see there's always that asterisk after it it's yeah like, this car handles really well even though uh-huh. you know whatever the the two seats behind me or the the length of the vehicle or you know whatever it happens to be or the weight of the vehicle. This is but, a fantastic car for what it is. Yeah, well, there's always that, right? There's right. always so that angle. So, all right, so there's that. You okay. know, the practicality, and there's yeah. probably another dozen or so cars out there right now. I mean, 
think about sports cars, cars that people consider as sports cars that they use as a daily driver. I mean, that would be one, mm-hmm. and other cars that people consider a sports car, like right. uh, uh, some Mustangs, which I know they're not going to like to hear that again, but uh, that's true. And um, shots and, fired. But, well, honestly, I mean, God, those are great performing cars, but yeah. they're, they're pony cars. Yeah, that's a pony through car. And through. But no one ever uses the term pony car anymore. Not really. I mean, outside of you know this, like an enthusiast group, or maybe mm-hmm. within road and track or something, when sure. they're when they're comparing pony cars. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah, I've got a few other ideas that I arrived at via comparison. Okay. And I think we're getting toward it when we talk about practicality. Sure. Right? You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So... Ordinary cars, what we consider daily drivers, are built with a, a few common things in mind. Normally, it's uh, normally it's going to be something like safety, consistency, uh, fuel economy or thriftiness, right? Yeah. And then consideration for space, whether that's for passengers or cargo, and those both kind of fall under the idea of comfort and efficiency. But sports cars sacrifice almost all of that for the pursuit of of performance and handling and acceleration you know so you're going to you're not really going to have a huge trunk you're not going to have 
uh, seats for five, right? Yeah. Uh, you're not going to have, um, well, it's a give and take. Yeah, it's a give and take. I mean, you're going to, you know that you're only going to have two seats. You're not going to be able to take the family on a trip in this car. Sure. Performance is the priority. Sure. You know, you're not going to be able to take the golf clubs to the, uh, to the, um, golf course in this car, uh, unless you don't have a passenger and you put them in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you're not going to have, you're simply not going to have the trunk space to do that in most vehicles. Now, unless you get a, a car that has, you know, a specific space set aside for something like that. You know, the manufacturers mm-hmm. design that, you know, for long cargo or whatever. Um, and that happens occasionally. I get, I get that that happens. Sure. But, um, efficiency, I mean, come on. That's, uh, that's one that shouldn't even really come to mind when you're talking about buying a true sports car, I think. And Which is what's sticky to me about the hybrid stuff. Okay. Honestly. You yeah. Know what I mean, well, okay. I don't think that they're doing it. What do you? What's your opinion? Do you think they're doing it because of uh, cafe standards? Or do you, and I, I can't even say it with a straight face. They're not doing it because of cafe standards. Ooh, they might be. I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe maybe in a manufacturer that only makes two or three models, right. and one of them happens. You know, this is let's say McLaren. Okay. And they have to meet cafe standards to be able to import here to the United States. And yeah, I, I don't think that's the overarching. I don't think that's the biggest factor. No. You know what I mean, no. I think it's. I believe that the move to hybrid engines is arising partially because the technology is increasingly there. It's closer and closer to what it needs to be. I don't think it's there yet, to be candid. Well, it's pretty impressive what they do in their top-end models, the ones that are you know a million dollars plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the LaFerrari. Look at the, yeah. the P1 that I keep mentioning, mm-hmm. the Porsche 918 Spyder. That's an impressive one right there as that well. That is, okay. Uh, so there's one right there. You're El- selling me. And, and by oh, the way... Nice. Uh, Lamborghini is soon to come out with its own hybrid model. And, mm-hmm. and I gotta tell you, I don't think Lamborghini is doing that because they really feel like they're saving the earth with a hybrid model or anything. No, no, no. There's no. probably a reason. There's, there are benefits to it is that, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the immediate torque, of course, mm-hmm. uh, able to stuff two motors in the front wheels and still have a gasoline engine power in the rear wheels. This and, is the, uh, the Asterion, right? Yeah, that's right. And it was it 2019 or something yeah, like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah. way out still, but, I don't feel like they're doing it for, uh, you know, the uh, the save the earth purposes that mm-hmm. Nissan is doing it with the Leaf. I think that they're doing it because, uh, well, to be quite honest, because McLaren's done it, Ferrari's done it, Porsche's done it. I think there's a we, lot of that, too. We need to have something in that market space, and that's why we're doing it. So, of course, there are benefits, but you can't really stuff something like that into the car without making it, you know, exponentially more expensive. Because I think the the... The Lamborghini that's coming out in 2019, they're projecting like a half million dollars for that thing. Yeah, and that's that's oh, that's another question. What's that? Is there a certain threshold of cost that would make the difference between a sports car and a supercar, or should we even separate supercar and sports car? I, I, going back to the simple MGs and 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 Triumphs yeah. and uh, you know the Jaguars and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean the early Jaguars, the uh, the, the ones that weren't a hundred grand, uh, the ones <laughs> in the nineteen fifties. I mean they're expensive, but not. Well, that's another topic. That's another. So topic. going back to that simplicity, that that just yeah. fun to drive. Tossable vehicle that was lightweight, had a four-cylinder engine, but it had a manual transmission. Um, it was unforgiving, but it was fun to drive. And once you learn how to drive it, you could really drive it well mm-hmm. and just have a good time with it. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. And this blurred line, this uh, this um, uh, this kind of uh, intangible experience that that people have when they're in these cars. I mean, that that you can drive a car that's not necessarily a sports car, mm-hmm. but it is sporty. Or it has some level of sportiness built into it by the manufacturer, and they know that. I mean, look at Mini. All the Mini cars, they've got they've got rear seats. 
I, um, okay, yeah. there's. I think there might be one that's a two seater. Isn't the coupe a two seater? Oh, I think man. I'll, I'll look it up as you we know talk I'm here. Not, I'll say it honestly, guys. You know I'm not the biggest fan of minis. Yeah. Well, uh, I've had old, just, my, old just minis. Maybe. Okay, old minis are yeah. great. Again, I've said it before, but just don't make, don't call it a mini and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? All right. Well, you're talking. You're, okay. So I got a question for you then, because right. I just recently had this discussion with my wife. Okay. What's your opinion on the uh, on the old 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 mini? I mean, the classic minis. You know, the 1960, 19, late 50s through the 1970s mini, or 1980s, I guess, in some parts of the world, but not here. What's your What's your thought on those? Do you like the original, or do you like the, um, the kind of the the first? Uh, generation of the mini that came over to the United States uh, recently. I don't remember what year right, that was. Right, I prefer the old one. I'll be honest with you. I prefer the old one. Neither of them are really the car for me, hmm. but just in terms of looks, uh, and, and yeah, I'm usually going to go with the older one. That and that's not to say that the the new wave, the re- resurrection of minis or the resurgence of what they have here in the States. Mm-hmm. It's not to say it's necessarily bad. I just think at some point you have to ask yourself, how different can this vehicle become before it is no longer what, you know, it originally was inspired by? That's true. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people, I think, I think there's a, a fair amount of people that that feel like yeah it has grown a little bit out of control over the last uh, couple of generations mm-hmm. a couple of releases uh you can you can park them side by side and see them grow i mean yeah and, maybe i'm a maybe i'm just being a cranky old man but like <laughs> get off my lawn i guess we're both in that camp though but uh, several people are the same way i i mean i i have to say that i'm a fan of the original minis now the cooper s versions of mm-hmm. course you know the john works coopers sure, and all sure. those uh, great vehicles you know they were they were i guess uh, sort of sports cars. I mean, they probably were considered sports cars, but they had a back seat, a small back mm-hmm. seat, but that sat two people. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily like the fastest cars on the road by any means. I mean, there were a lot of other um, vehicles out there that you could choose that were a little bit more expensive, a little bit faster. Yeah, but it was a fun to drive car. That was small. It was. Uh, it was something that it's kind of like the everyman car. Yeah, but that's that's sporty at best, right? Yeah, sporty, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's okay. That's it. Yeah, it's a sporty version of the car. It's not necessarily a sports car. It, well, it, it never really was considered a sports car, I don't right. think. No, I would hope not. Well, but you know what? The people that drive them might think that. They might think that's a sports car, as would people that drive a Camaro SS or that mm-hmm. drive, I keep picking on Mustangs, but I shouldn't. <laughs> but, but the people who drive a Mustang GT, they might think that. Now, what about Corvette drivers? That's a sports car. Right? Oh yeah, I don't think there's that's anyone denying that that's a sports car. No, I hope that's not. A, that meets all the criteria that we're talking about. And we're gonna have we're gonna have an interesting conversation too. This is a little bit of a spoiler alert, uh, listeners. In a bit, you're going to hear an episode coming from us in the next few weeks where we talk about some of the most anticipated cars of the coming year mm-hmm. and talk about crossover. Talk about blending categories of cars. There's some the we're going to be living in some interesting times and people are making people being car manufacturers are taking some big risks in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But uh, uh, we'll see if it even, you know, evolves if it ever comes out really. That's true. We're still at that point. Every Mm -hmm. time you're waiting on something to come out, uh, you can find yourself in an alio motors situation. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Shots fired. But, uh, here's, here's a, a quote that I read that I think we can all appreciate. Uh, there was a comment in a forum that said, 
sports cars are a matter of perspective, especially considering that, I'm paraphrasing here, that technology means some of those trade-offs aren't as absolute or mm-hmm. black and white as they once were. Mm-hmm. So here's the point. Like a modern V6 Camry is faster than a 1980s Ferrari 308. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah, well, I buy that. Sure. But but no one would uh no one would really say if you if you had to if you had to choose which of these is a sports car no one's going to point to the Camry over that Ferrari no so you're saying park them side by side and of course people are going to point at the Ferrari and say that's the sports car and not point at the uh, would you say it was a Nissan or a Toyota what was a it a Camry a Cam- okay <laughs> Toyota Camry oh, come on <laughs> did you <laughs> have to go with the Camry cuz there's probably 100 cars out there right now that, yeah. that are still that exceed that performance level sure. in whatever you know parameters that you want to put on mm-hmm. that whether it's 0 to 60 whether it's top speed mm-hmm. uh whatever it happens to be maybe just outright horsepower and and torque numbers um Man, that's, that's really, I mean, that shows you exactly how, how we're advancing. And we talked about, yeah. you know, the new engine technologies, how mm-hmm. these V6 engines or even, you know, uh, turbo four cylinder engines are besting eight cylinder engines, but that's, that's going way, way back too. that. Sure. Think about those giant V12 engines or, or the huge V8s that powered oh, yeah. cars in the, in the twenties and thirties mm-hmm. that, um, the horsepower and torque rate. Now torque was high on those, but the, uh, but the horsepower, not so much there. So they Especially didn't have a, not in modern context. No, but they weren't really going for speed or anything like and that. that. That Ford we were just talking about, I think, I think it's like an estimated six hundred horsepower for the uh, GT. Yeah, yeah, it's like six eighty for the street, and I want to say close to a thousand for the track. That's something like crazy. that. Crazy. Yeah, and that's a V six. So do okay. Here's another thing. Um, when we were talking to go back to aesthetic stuff, uh, scoops, spoilers. Stuff like that. Can we agree that those are not necessary components of a sports car? Well, okay, that depends. I think that it, it, it's uh, based on engine design, and yeah. then of course some cars that had uh, ram air systems that were functional. Yeah, uh, there there are a lot of cars. So that you use, might need the scoops. You yeah. might, yeah, sure. Yeah. And and what about um, what about spoilers on the back that are functional versus the ones that you can buy at Pep Boys? Man. Um, now, I, okay, last night I saw a uh, 350, a, a Nissan 350Z. Okay. And it was, you know, in front of me, it was dark, it was nighttime raining, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about two or three cars ahead of me in the rain. It's a black car, but it had one of those spoilers on the back that's like four feet in the air. I mean, way, way up in the air. Like, it, uh, it, why? I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it's functional or not. I mean, of course, the car sounded great. It had, yeah, you know, sure. the performance yeah, 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 exhaust yeah. as well, yeah. and, and you know, it had nice big wide tires, and it was, it was dropped and everything, but, I, I don't know if that was a really functional wing or not. I couldn't tell you. Or if it was just for the look. Yeah, it could have been. could have been held know. on with two flimsy little uh, wood screws in the back, uh. and that's it. But um, you see that kind of stuff out there. You see, like, uh, okay, that Saturn that I talked about one time that had, like, a... A vent on the on the uh, oh, yeah. on the on the passenger cabin area, uh-huh. and it, it's it's not functional. It's just a, a you know it's it's sitting on top there. But then it's, again, it's, it's their on. car. Exactly right. Yeah, we I think we talked about add-ons in the past too. And, we talked about and whether, add-ons, whether they're functional, whether they're not functional, and but I but I do feel that in certain sports cars, like you have to you have to keep the engine cool. That's so, true. So that's some, absolutely true. So so some. Instances of this, I think that's fine. Others, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know, like some of the splitters and things like that that people put on their street cars, mm-hmm. not necessary, but it looks pretty cool. Well, and I think we can all agree that the one thing all sports cars have, when you get past all the things that we could argue about for all uh, all of this episode and more episodes, there is one thing that every sports car is required to have, both legally, I would say ethically, 
even aesthetically. What is that? Perhaps morally. Whistle tips. <laughs> <laughs> you really had me hooked. There. I, thought, I thought you were going to come up with something that I'm going to say, like, oh, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Whistle tips. Yeah. You don't even, pretty soon you won't even need a driver. Yep. Just nope, get just, out of uh, tips. Yep. Just a good, good old uh, bub rub is your friend. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I bring that up and I know it's such a sidebar, but I bring it up because I was showing some of our coworkers the whistle tips video and one of them was convinced that it was sketch comedy. He said, no, this is from a morning show years ago. That's an actual report. That's an actual report. Just it's, a guy they happened to cross. It was Bub Rub. Bub Rub. Bub Rub and Little Sis. Right? Little Sis. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's been a while since I've seen that one. But uh, just qual- quality clip. Yeah. Time. Quality yeah. clip. Quality clip. So I look, I, I am joking about that, but um, I do think that if we're I do think that one of the biggest things we're talking about would be uh, weight to power ratio and then rear wheel drive is is hugely important okay I don't know if you can really say um, I I don't know if you can say that a car that is exclusively front wheel drive would be a true sports car because it, it may be a true sports car something you take on the track mm-hmm. right? That you sure. can you can drive on the track when you buy it factory. Sure, like you don't have to buy an extra package to get it to make it a track day car. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then if you're if we're talking about being on the track, then rear wheel drive is going to be superior. Well, yeah, I mean that's a preference, but you can you can race a front wheel drive vehicle. You can race an all wheel drive vehicle. Um, what about the Honda Civic Type R that's coming out? Oh yeah. Uh, what about yeah. the Golf Type R? You know, GTI Type R. Well, the Honda Civic um, is finally coming to America. Yeah, that's true. That's probably a better that's true. Way. Well, I mean, but it doesn't impact the argument you're so, making. That's true. Well, so, so think about this though: people that buy that vehicle, I mean, they're going to feel like they're in a sports car. They feel like they've just purchased a sports car because of the way that thing is going to perform. Especially if they were driving an older model regular Civic. Well, sure. Yeah, of course, of course they will. Or, you know what? Honestly, just about anything else because that's going to be a strong performer, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be fun to drive. And that's, and that's, the, that's, that's the thing. That's the, that's the, inc- you know, like, that's uh, the intangible in, part. Exactly right. That's, that's the intangible part. It's going to be a blast to drive. When you get in, it, it's going to make you smile. And isn't that a turbo four engine? I believe it is. Yes. So there we go. And, and, uh, I think, yeah, I think that. That's a pretty good argument, honestly, Scott, is because the Type R is – I would say it's sporty, though. I wouldn't say it's an out-and-out sports car. Okay. I, I would buy that. I would buy that it's sporty or, or has some level of sportiness built into it by the manufacturer, as, as the uh, definition right. would say, or, or people that would argue the definition would say. Um, so, I, again, this is all really difficult to quantify, to qualify, but there are some places that try to do so. Ah, yes. And uh, I've come across sort of a funny document here. Now, it wasn't wasn't intended to be funny, but it kind of is when you read read through it. And there's no way that I can cover this whole thing. So I will just maybe uh, point you in the right direction, and Mm -hmm. uh, you can look this up for yourself. But we'll we'll briefly discuss this. A little bit of background, Scott, uh, as as we go into this. uh, This is the reason we gave... Nola nickname, and there's a very strange story that you ran across. Yeah, Ben, there's a, I guess we'll call it a scholarly article <laughs> yeah. um, that, that is all about what is a sports car. And this comes from a couple of uh, researchers who are from a u- different universities. One mm-hmm. is from uh, the University of Brussels in Belgium, and the other one uh, who participated in this was from the University of Pennsylvania, uh, mm-hmm. the Wharton School in Pennsylvania. And... 
they collaborated on this on this document, and the idea was that they're gonna they're gonna try to find a way to classify all the cars that were in Belgium. Now, this is because Belgium has uh, the ability to import cars from all over the world. They've got all the European brands and marks mm-hmm. to choose from, you know, just about from everywhere, really. They also have a very complex bureaucracy. Yeah. Well, there's there's a, a here's just a, a scope of what they're dealing with here. There's a potential for them to choose one of 581 different car models in Belgium. So you've got an option of almost 600 different types of vehicles in right. Belgium, but there's no way to say which ones are sports cars. Now, why would you even really care about that? Because of all that stuff we just talked about, right? Right. And this, oh, this study, by the way, I should say, the best I can determine, I can't really, I can't even find a year on this thing when it was done. Mm-hmm. But I think that it was done in the early 1990s based on some of the uh, citations that they have at the end of the study that, that are from the late 1980s. Yes. All right. So, 600 cars, they're trying to determine a way to deter, to find out if they're a, a quote, normal car or a sports car. And the reason... All this comes about, Ben. You you probably know the reason, right? This is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's for taxes. It's yeah. it's a way to uh, you know increase the insurance on the on the sports cars mm-hmm. versus the cars that are you know quote unquote normal. So it's all about finding a way to tax and to uh, you know add costs on to uh, you know some of the the um, the policies of people that are driving cars that are, should mm-hmm. be considered sports cars in their mind. Right. So how do you do that based on everything we just talked about? Because that's these questions have been floating around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because before, didn't they say? Uh, the insurers in Belgium used uh, a variable called vehicles of a sporting nature. Yeah. Which is not quite. Yeah. So what does that mean, right? I mean, you got to figure out what vehicles of a sporting nature means and how do they do this? So this, this is what's funny and this is why you should look this up because there is a, there's a formula mm-hmm. and you can look at this formula and it's a confusing formula. It's a math formula and there's no way I'm going to even be able to describe what this formula looks like, but it's a very short uh, formula. It's like W over P, the square root of 3 over S divided by 4 CCs is less than 17. That's the way That's the way they determine this. Now, <laughs> what all that means, and you'll have to, again, look at this all, but, yeah. but the, the variables, the parameters here, uh, W is the weight of the car in kilograms. Mm-hmm. P is the power of the engine, which is described as DIN horsepower, which is kind of like um, metric horsepower, really, measured right. at the output shaft. S is the number of seats in the vehicle, and CC is the engine capacity in liters. Now, all that has to be less than 17, and then that means that the vehicle is, a, is of a sporting nature if the number that you re, you get from that formula is less than 17. So, And this is a little bit weird because there's some history behind it. This formula, they, they didn't necessarily make it up. It dates all the way back to the 70s. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So it came from somewhere. So in, uh, a, um, a Formula One driver, I believe, mm-hmm. a Belgian Formula One driver, created this formula to determine you know, which vehicles should be considered sports cars on the road. And that's the old way of doing things. They are trying to, th- this, this paper, this, uh, this, this scholarly um, academic writing, yeah. uh, is, is trying to find a new way to measure the vehicles that are in Belgium. So uh, clearly they have a huge problem with the cars that are in Belgium. Right, right. They pointed out to the, uh, that there were a couple of readily apparent flaws in the formula. Uh, the... It's very sensitive to the number of seats, mm-hmm. which we had talked about. It doesn't take into account uh, some of the technical innovations, mm-hmm. right? From because it's from the seventies. Sure. Uh, and my favorite of of their big criticisms are uh, quote the use of third and fourth routes has no physical justification. 
<laughs> which, <laughs> which sounds like I could see these two guys racking their brains and going, why? Why do you have these roots on here? Yeah, it seems kind of silly. But but honestly, I mean, when you look at the, the parameters that they're using, it's not so bad, really. When they look at weight, they look at power, they look yeah. at the number of seats, the, the engine capacity, it kind of fits in or ties into the classic definition of a sports car. So they're trying to find a way to um, determine what's what so that they can add and get this. 40% on top of basic premium costs uh, yeah. to individuals that own vehicles that that fit the sporting nature, I guess. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I, and by the way, that does not apply to other vehicles. No, and there's a huge list. Now, they, they, they do have all 581 charted out here, and there's lots yeah. of charts and graphs, and yeah. it'll make you go cross-eyed looking at it. Uh, what they did, however, in this study, so if you do open it, you'll find that you can look at about 100. You can look at about 100 examples from their 600, mm-hmm. and look at the cars that they, they determine as sporty versus not sporty, and uh, just, I don't know if we can even give a few examples here, because they, they broke it down really, really far into... Uh, ten different. No, there's twelve different um, uh, categories in this in mm-hmm. this uh, this chart. This this um, this big matrix that they created of of sports cars versus normal cars. Right. And 
strange. I mean, like some of the Fiat cars that, that, that we would consider probably as sporty or even sports cars sure. qualify as normal vehicles under this. And then other cars that you would think of as not necessarily a sports car uh, do qualify as sports cars. Like um, there's, a, there's a Ford Fiesta that's on there as a sports car, but it's the XR2 model. So maybe that's what makes the difference. There's, um, let's see, a Volkswagen Scirocco, the standard Scirocco, doesn't come up as a sports car. However, the GT, uh, GT and GTX models do come up as a sports mm-hmm, car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a fascinating list to look at. And really, it's, it's quick, you, know, you can quickly go through it because the final column here, uh, the 12th column is the one that de- denotes that either they get a zero or a one. One, yeah. one is a sports car. Zero is just a normal car, mm-hmm. an average car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it is strange when you see that Fiesta and, and it's also, it's based on the best quantitative analysis they could do, and they they mess around with the formula a little bit to to try to improve on it, mm-hmm. right? So they put in um, they they put in measurements for uh, maximum torque. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Sure. Uh, maximum engine speed, RPM, uh, and those, even just adding those two, I think, gives us a more sophisticated understanding of it. Yeah. But I got to tell you, man. I was amazed when you when you showed this to me. There really is an academic paper for everything. Yeah, and take a look at it. I mean, just even if you just quickly scroll through this paper, it's it's worth a look and worth a read just to just to see what it's all about. It's kind of funny in some ways. Other ways, you're thinking like, well, this is all about how how to really charge more money for certain yeah. like for certain drivers on the road. And uh, I guess a lot of people were probably pretty uh, irked at that when they got nicked with an extra 40% on their premium. Ooh, okay. no. yeah, and and yeah. also, you know, if you make a claim, uh, they were saying that, you know, the claims for these sports cars is often a lot higher. So there's, there's a lot of justification for why they're mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, there's also a lot of reasons why they maybe just shouldn't mess with it. Maybe they should just, uh, you know, leave it alone. And this is a tip for the Belgians in the audience. Do check out this paper before you purchase your next <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, well, it's an older list, of course, so right. I don't know how much this really uh, pertains. Because, I mean, they've got, like, the Bertone X19 model. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the you know, Saab Sonnets and things like that on the list, you know, that aren't around anymore. So That's true. Um, might, might need to write to the to the docs and see if we can get a an updated list. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, but it's an inter- it's it's kind of interesting to look through. Okay, the the Lamborghini Countach is on this list, so that gives you an idea of how old it is, yeah. right? All right. So, and clearly that's a sports car, right? Uh, but the Maserati Quattroport is not a sports car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fun to look at that and just see, you know, what what's there. And I'm sure that you can find the the full 600 somewhere. And if it matches what what you if the cars you think are or are not sports cars. Are you know jiving with this list? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like everybody's going to read this a slightly different way. They're going to look at it and they're going to raise their eyebrows, like, "What? That's not a sports <laughs> car." And the other ones are going to say, kind of scrunch their their brow and say, "I don't think so. I don't think that one qualifies." And then go take a, a look at the photo of it, and it's like, "No, nah, that's not a sports car." But but it meets the the criteria based on the new formula that they've created. So they've got a they've got a new formula. There's a method to the madness. Yeah, so that's nineteen seventy one formula that I mentioned earlier has been changed, has been adapted Retooled. with a lot more variables. Not well, a few more variables, few more. I guess. Yeah, but uh just a further way to break things down. In a lot of ways. Yeah. And and this <laughs> is this is our <laughs> read that however you want. This was our best uh this was our our best find for a quantitative 
measurement or definition of a sports car that wasn't just a matter of perspective. Yeah. Seems like mostly it just should be like a seat of the pants thing. I mean, yeah. just how you feel about your vehicle or how does it drive? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you may, may drive something that has, you know, two more seats behind you, mm-hmm. uh, has a four cylinder engine, but mm-hmm. man, is that thing fun to drive? And to you, that's mm-hmm. a sports car. I say that's perfectly fine. If you, yes. if you feel like your car is a sports car, why not? Why not? Right. I mean, it won't, maybe it isn't classified as that, but maybe that's good. Maybe you're not being taxed like it's a sports car. Can you believe well, it? Well, in Belgium, sure. In Belgium. Uh, well, yeah. and you know, here we've got things like, uh, there's gas guzzler taxes and things like that sure. for some of these vehicles that we are talking about. Higher insurance rates. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Higher insurance rates and that. And you know, they're looking at stuff like this. You know, what, mm-hmm. what is considered what classification. Oh, yeah. So, um, in a way, it's very similar here in the states, and I'm sure that elsewhere around the world, it's similar as well. We just we're not picking on Belgium by any means, but <laughs> for them to have this academic paper that uh, that that clearly defines all this and, mm-hmm. and points it out, I mean, it's interesting. That's where that's where it comes in, man. It all comes down to the brass tacks of. Well, uh, all comes down to money. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all dollars and cents. And for some people, with sports cars, it all comes down to speed and handling. Ah, right? yes. For the, the practical rather than the aesthetic applications. We want to know what you think, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We are Car Stuff HSW. Uh, we would love to, we would love to see your opinion of what is and is not a sports car. I think we're going to get a lot more people saying that is not a sports car. Can right? I mention just one more quick thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's funny to me when I looked at a lot of lists of what people considered to be sports cars and what other people, you know, would argue against in the Mm -hmm. uh, the forum or the, uh, you know, the comments below, Mm -hmm. some people would look at that list and say, are you kidding me? You didn't even include a single Lotus vehicle in this whole list of what is a sports car. Almost everything that they make is a sports. What about Panos, the the uh, mm-hmm. the cars we just talked? That whole Panos uh, mm-hmm. operation that's here in Georgia. Yeah. They only make sports cars and track day cars. Um, it, it, you'll find that they're glaring emissions on some uh, some lists, and others they're going to have additions that you don't think should be there. That's a great so, way to say it. Strange lists. I mean, I mean you're, you're going to find you, a ton of them. How would you list every sports car, though? You just can't. That's Herculean. You, you can't because I think I read somewhere that the first sports cars go back to 1910, which is prior to the first use of the word sports car in popular media, which right. was like in the 19, was it 1930, 1928? I think it was 1920. Let me see. It's, I got it. it's, yeah, it's 1928. It's the late 1920s. But, yeah, but sports cars clearly had been around for Two decades before that, because they're racing on, you know, on tracks like Indianapolis. They're racing um, all over the world, really. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sports cars. There are sports cars out there, but they just didn't know what to call them until the late 1920s. And they, 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 when they put the term on it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we we want to hear what you think should and shouldn't be on these lists. This is the time to let us know your pet peeves and uh, your favorites, the ones you're the super fan of. Uh, you can check out... All the other podcasts that we had mentioned on our website, carstuffshow.com. That's where you can hear about the Panas. So you can hear about the luxury car stuff we mentioned. Uh, that's where, well, you know, it's all there. How about muscle car definitions? You know, like oh, this, this strict, this strict yeah. muscle car definition from, um, what was, what was the name of that site? It was a funny site. Boy. Oh, musclecarclub.com. Yeah. They've got strict definitions for all this. They, they were not pulling punches. They, either. they only list one car as a sports car. Yeah. It was the Corvette. Yes. Um, and uh, you're going to find stuff like this all over the place. And it, it's it's really fun to dig into, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than you would think. Uh, I think it's, a, if you think it's going to be a great time, you're exactly right. 
I think it's it's fascinating, and I always appreciate hearing someone make a case for or against something in a way that I did not expect. Yeah. And if you have a case you'd like to make for or against something considered a sports car or just considered sporty, uh, I'd like to read that too. Uh, so go ahead and uh, pull up a computer, not if you're driving. Uh, pull up a pull up your email or something and uh, send Scott Noel and I a letter. You can tell us uh, your opinion on what makes a sports car a sports car or muscle cars after you listen to that episode, of course. Uh, or if you have a suggestion for something we should cover in the future, uh, we'd love to hear that too. Uh, you can email us directly at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.